Um, good morning. How are we all doing? Good. Enjoying the rain? Anyone built an ark yet? Anyone thinking about building one? I'm deadly serious. If you are, let me know. Um, our reading today, 1 Thessalonians from 1 Thessalonians 5. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not treat prophecy with contempt. But test all things. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Why does Paul write that to that church? Partly because Christianity, it's not just a religion of the head. You know, we are a people of the book, aren't we, in one sense? We have the Bible. Uh, that is everything necessary in terms of for salvation. Uh, Jesus is revealed through that. But also, we have the Holy Spirit as well. So we're not to be a people just of the head, but we're also to be a people of the heart as well. We're to be a people of God's word and we're to be a people of God's spirit. And those are two things, really, that shouldn't be separated, God's word and God's spirit. And we're told by Paul not to put out the spirit's fire. And a sure way of quenching or dampening the spirit's fire, I think, is to ignore him, is not to honor him, is not to involve him in our services and what we do, but actually just carry on like he's not around, like he doesn't exist. I think large parts of the church fall into that at times. You know, the third person of the Trinity can actually become God's word, funnily enough, but I completely believe in God's word. But nevertheless, we have his spirit too. And another sure way of dampening him or quenching him, I believe, is not listening to him, not listening to his nudges, his uh, prodding. And uh, Paul even writes to that church, doesn't he? Do not treat prophecy with contempt. Prophecy being uh, utterances that the Holy Spirit would give, things that he will spontaneously bring to mind. And I think that's an easy thing to fall into. And I, I notice that with myself at times. And uh, when, when sometimes words are giving out. You see, I, I love the prophetic, don't get me wrong. But I love it when they're really accurate words, when they're really definite, when they can only be from God, when they lead to physical healing. And God does that, and he's been doing that increasingly here at St. Michael's. But sometimes when you get something a bit more vague, then that's probably when I start to treat it with a bit of contempt. But I've learned the lesson not to try not to do that. Let me give you an example. We sometimes, with our young people, we encourage them to get uh, words from God um, we, we do something called treasure hunting where we say, God, show us people you want us to find, places you want us to go. And uh, we try and find these people. And, and funnily enough, you know, we, we get people's names and we find them, get people's items of clothing, things that are going on in their lives. And it can lead to some really significant encounters with God for people on the street who don't know him. And I just remember one time before we were going out, one particular lad gets a bit of a number plate and a picture of a butterfly, a pink butterfly. And I'm kind of thinking, great. That's helpful. But obviously, you know, you want to be upbeat and positive. And we go out and about. And actually, this, this, this lad, he actually spots the car with the number plate. And there's someone sat in there. And the story was they were waiting uh, whilst their wife was going into the post office. But interesting enough, on their dashboard was a card with a pink butterfly on. And... Um, it was one of those times where I had to think, I 
had to sort of rebuke myself inwardly. You know, ye of little faith. And I think that's what Paul's talking about. You know, sometimes we can despise what the Lord is doing. Now, that doesn't mean that as a people who are of God's word that, and of God's spirit, that we kind of leap off into the world of the wacky and uh, unknown. But we're, we're a balanced people, aren't we? Because we have the word. Because the word shows us what God's like. You know, prophecy should be in accordance to that. The Holy Spirit wouldn't lead us to do something against God's word. Now, the Holy Spirit wouldn't lead me to divorce my wife without good reasons or to go and commit adultery, would he? Because that's contrary to God's word. So, in terms of being a people who do not quench the spirit, that doesn't mean we just go with anything, that we're hairy-fairy, that we're new age. But actually, we test stuff against the word of God. Now, I believe currently in our nation, God's spirit is really beginning to move powerfully. And he's done that throughout history, things like with um, the sort of Wesleyan revivals. You know, God was doing incredible things in terms of convicting people as to their need to get right with him. Masses coming to the Lord, healing breaking out, people being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think that is happening increasingly within this nation, and it's happening increasingly within the life of the church as well. But interestingly, what, what that kind of brought out in the early church when people were uh, moving powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit would have been false prophets, the kind of people we read about today. You know, sheep in wolves' clothing, as Jesus calls them. And we need, to, we need to hang on to Paul's words of not quenching the Spirit, not despising prophecy, but holding on to the good and rejecting what is evil. Do you know, one thing that Jesus warns us about more than anything in Scripture is deception, that even the elect themselves could be deceived. Do you know, in the early church, there were many heresies, weren't there? The reason we say the creed, the creed was formed in response to heresies about Jesus, heresies about him not fully being God or not being fully man at the same time. Harris is about legalism, that we need to, um, you know, it's not by grace, that actually we've got to earn God's love, we've got to learn his favor, or Harris is about, actually it doesn't matter what we do with our lives, it doesn't matter how we live, you know, our bodies are not important, we can sleep around with whoever, get drunk, all those kind of things. And uh, Harris has come in many forms, and it wasn't unusual for the church to have to deal with people who had wacky ideas, and he tried to lead the people of God astray, who tried to undermine Jesus' teaching. The New Testament refers to these people as false prophets and false teachers. They're kind of used interchangeably. And in other words, they were false messengers. They are often, at, they are often <clears throat> deceived themselves. Their messages could have been in their teachings, could have been in their writing. It could have been in prophetic utterances, a, a kind of counterfeit of the gift of prophecy, where they would claim to have special revelations about God and uh, lead people off into all sorts of weird and wacky things. You know, it may have originated in their own minds, a lot of these teachings. Maybe they just wanted to be seen as a great teacher. Maybe they just want people to think highly of them. They wanted disciples after themselves, as uh, it says elsewhere in the New Testament. Or maybe as well, it's from the influence of demonic spirits. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. The Spirit clearly says that in the last time some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Scary words. 
Do you know, there is a spiritual dynamic behind heresy and false teaching. It has a way of blinding people spiritually to the truth. It takes people away from the revealed faith which the Holy Spirit inspired through the Word of God, which he spoke through Jesus. Even Jesus warns about lying signs and wonders. And that's scary, isn't it? At the end of Jesus' Gospel, people say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? And Jesus will say to them, away from me, I never knew you. Do you know, as Christians, I think it's key that we hang on to our revealed faith, to who Jesus is, the uniqueness of him, and the simplicity of knowing him and having a relationship with him. We can't lose that. We need to stick to the main thing in God's word. We need to stick to Jesus being the son of God, being fully God, fully man. We need to stick to to the cross, don't we? Jesus died, crucified for our sins. We need to stick to the resurrection. Jesus raised in the flesh for us. And in the same way, those who believe in him will be raised. And in the Sermon on the Mount, the series we've been looking at, what I find interesting is the teaching is often used by a variety of different people. Um, you know, you could, people would say the golden rule, for example, it's something that atheists could adopt. And I'm sure they can. You know, do unto others as you would have done to yourself. But Jesus' teaching isn't just great moral teaching. It is that. But actually it centers on himself. The, the importance of knowing him and on relationship with him. Michael Green, an influential church leader from years past, said this. The Sermon on the Mount ends with the most emphatic assertion of the ultimacy of Jesus Christ. What he has said with such power and precision in the sermon derives from who he is. The reason Jesus is able to give such great teaching is because it comes from no one else but God himself. And Jesus ultimately says that rests on him and knowing him. And those who don't know him don't inherit the kingdom. Those are scary words. So in the words of Bon Jovi, the band, keep the faith. I won't sing it for you. So how do we spot uh, people who might want to divert the Christian faith, who might want to undermine it? These kind of false prophets and teachers, are they at work today? You know, how do we safeguard the church from deception? Do you know, I think an adequate response isn't to say, let's avoid charismatic gifts. That way, you know, if we don't have any prophecy, then we're not going to get false prophets. Actually, I think if we go down that route, actually, we already are deceived because, you know, gifts of the Spirit are here to build up the body, to encourage us, to help us uh, minister the gospel to people effectively as well, actually. Do you know, the more and more I've stepped out in praying for people outside the four walls of the church, the more I'm seeing God work powerfully there and people quite, you know, touch, healed. I could give testimonies. I don't have much time, but I'd love to pick this up sometime. So I don't think it's an adequate response to say, well, let's avoid anything spiritual, okay? Because actually, I think in doing that, we rob ourselves of power as the church. We rob ourselves of the grace of God. Actually, what we need to do is we need to test stuff against the word. We need to test spiritual experience against the word. We need to test teaching against the word. And we can reject it. 
we can reject it. That's why we reject things like Mormonism as not being Christian, because it's completely contrary to the Bible. You know, it's another Jesus. It's not Christianity. We can reject stuff like that. And also, Jesus talks about, doesn't he, you will spot a prophet by their fruits. Do you know, if someone's life is inconsistent with their message, there's something wrong there. Do you know, I have been had by people before who have claimed to be super spiritual. I've been had by people who claim to be extremely prophetic. And on observation of these people's lives after a time, it became apparent that behind them was a trail of destruction, that there were broken lives, that prophecy was used to manipulate and control, that the, through the prophetic ministry, uh, people who were in with this false teacher or in with them, their ears were tickled, their egos were played to, and those who were opposed them prophecy was used to make them fearful and afraid. That's an extreme example and you'd be glad to know that's not from this country. But nevertheless, as we look at the lives of people actually, we see, we can see if, if actually they are of God. And that's why in the New Testament it's so hot on character and not gifting. What's the qualification for an elder in the church? They've got to be able to teach and those things, but actually their life has got to be in order. Yeah? So we can, we can observe people who are destructive by their influence. And that's why it's good not to, when people rock up at church, let them get involved in preaching, for example. If they have no history you know, or track record, it can go disastrously wrong. And that's some of the strengths of the Anglican system, is that there is an accountability system, there's a selection process, and those things. How else can we discern, particularly spiritual phenomena, if it's not of God as well. <clears throat> I haven't got much time, but I just want to give you a few examples. There have been times where, you know, I'm a big advocate of spiritual gifts and prophecy, but there have been times where I've discerned that what someone has said has not been from God. And uh, I, would, I would describe that as, uh, as a gift of discernment in the Bible, and that can come in many forms. And for me, it's happened in such a way that at times, uh, someone has given a word and it's just left a real discomfort in my spirit because the purpose of prophecy is to bless, edify, and discourage. And uh, at times, I've, I've heard it from someone who uh, came out of an occultic background who would have been used to kind of getting messages from spirits and that kind of thing. And, and they gave a word, and instantly I just knew what they were saying. It was not from God. Now, prophecy can be from God. It could be from ourselves. It can be. That's why we need to be humble with it but also it can at times be from that. And sometimes the, gifts, the, the Spirit would alert us to that. Sometimes with false teaching as well, there have been times where I've been in settings where there's been such a presence of God. And the instant that someone has got up and brought some teaching that is not of the Lord, I've, I've just noticed, that, it's hard to describe this, but I've just noticed a shift in the atmosphere as well. At times, it's just as though, I can only describe it as a, as a wind came in that felt cold and uncomfortable. Wacky stuff I know, and that's one way. And what does God say in his word as well? John says, test the spirits. See if they're from God. Okay? Now, 
We've talked a bit about how we can test that, how we can know if something's of God. The ultimate litmus test is the Word of God. Does it match up? And then actually the Spirit, well, actually we need common sense and to look at people's lives, but also the Spirit of God will highlight. But also as well, you know, people do get stuff wrong from time to time. And I want to finish off by saying as well that people who may have dodgy ideas, that people who may be wacky, you know, though we shouldn't embrace their ministries, actually we need to love them, don't we? as well. That's the other thing. That's another call as well. Because, you know, the Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, it's not against each other. It's not against fellow humans. But actually it's against the spiritual forces. And at times people can be influenced by things. But it's important that if we come across people whose ideas don't match up with the Bible, that we still continue to love them and to be gracious to them but we don't embrace their ministry necessarily. We don't give them a platform, but nevertheless, we treat them as people who are made in God's image, and we pray for them. And we pray that God would, would actually reveal himself to them in a more fuller and proper way. I'm going to finish there, and um, we're going to have a time of prayer. So I'm going to fill in for um, who was meant to be praying today. Why don't we bow our heads, and we're going to take some of these things uh, before the Lord, and then we're just going to pray for our world as well. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your spirit and we thank you that your spirit leads us into all truth and to all understanding. We thank you that it's the Holy Spirit who reveals Jesus to us. It's the Holy Spirit who brings the word of God alive and uh, we pray that you would help us to be a people who do not quench the spirit, who do not put out his fire but also that we'll be a people of discernment, we'll be a people of the word, who know and love your word, that we'll be a people who hold on to the simplicity and the truth of being a Christian, of having a relationship with Jesus. And Father, we thank you for how your spirit is moving in these times, and we pray for more of that, even in our church, that many lives would be healed, restored, that many who don't know you would be brought to faith, in you. And we're going to move on to praying for our world. And what I'd like us to invite you to do is just to, where you are in your seat, just lift up a place in our world that is on your heart before the Lord so that we can all just bring that to the Lord in prayer.